0: Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the news show that pushes the red pill. And I don't think it's medical misinformation to say that the red pill works. That's right. It may not cure your COVID, but it will certainly uh, cure your illusions. Um, I'm Kevin Barrett with Lucy Morgan Edwards, joining us live from Geneva, Switzerland. Hey, welcome, Lucy. Great to have you back.
1: Hi, Kevin. I'm in Lucerne, actually, just up the road. Right. Oh, well,
0: Lucerne. Okay, close enough. We Americans, it's, it's, it's outside the U.S. and somewhere towards Europe. That's, that's close enough for us. Uh, so congratulations, by the way, Lucy, on, uh, Freedom Day. Uh, July 13th was Unfreedom Day in France, but then they had the Orwellian UK Freedom Day on July 19th. And then on July 24th, a worldwide demonstration broke out everywhere, uh, protesting unfreedom and for freedom. So there's a big freedom thing going on.
1: Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, Unfortunately, well, quite predictably, actually, because the UK seems to be well into the Alinsky method of of U-turning left, right and centre. Freedom Day turned out not to be Freedom Day at all uh, in, in the UK. So I'm very happy not to be there at the moment.
0: Okay. Well, uh, you, you escaped. <laughs> and, yeah. Although I don't know if Europe is that much better. Anyway, we're going to, we're going to question everything on this show. We're not only going to question the official story coming out of the mainstream mighty Wurlitzer propaganda apparatus, but we'll also no. question some of the stuff we're hearing from alternative sources as well. If you can't handle questions that may challenge some of your deeply cherished beliefs, you probably should turn off the, the computer and go find something more comforting to do. So you have been warned. Okay, that's that's enough. Let's get through all these disclaimers. And, yeah, we're not a – we're a red pill pushers, and that's, that is uh, not to be taken literally. We're not telling you to take pills. We're not writing prescriptions. We're not dispensing medical advice. So don't take any medical advice from us. Okay, next slide. <laughs> ah, more medical stuff. Uh, there's the red pill and the blue pill. Take your pick. Uh, we're the red pill. Okay, I think we've introduced ourselves. Let's move on to the stories. Uh, where are we here? Oh, yeah, I love this. This uh, this week's show begins with the uh five minutes of hate for anti-vaxxers, which is popping up everywhere in the mainstream media. And my favorite example is David Axis of Evil from, mm-hmm. he, of course, coined that phrase Axis of Evil for the Bush War on so-called terror. And he's had enough of the vax resistors. He may as well call us now the anti-vaxxers of evil. <laughs> and RFK <laughs> Jr. is the new Saddam. So Fromm has gone from hate propaganda against Muslims to hate propaganda against anti-vaxxers. Now, he and his friends killed 30 million Muslims. And so how many anti-vaxxers are they going to have to get rid of for their final solution to the anti-vaxxer problem? What do you think, Lucy?
1: Yeah, this is this is, a, this is a disgraceful piece. He's talking of vaccine refusal. He's trying to conflate skepticism about vaccines with uh, voter intent. So he's really taking issue here with the constitutional freedoms enjoyed normally, or should be enjoyed in the United States, uh, and, and which supposedly are protected in what he calls pro pro-tru- pro Trump state legislatures. So, yeah, very divisive and very nasty, extremely nasty piece by uh, David Fromm. And as you say, well, responsible for the one of the, those responsible for the war in Iraq. So what do you expect?
0: Right. So, so these, these war on Iraq people who totally failed and everybody knows that are now leading the push for global vaccines. And guess who's the poster boy? George W. Bush. Uh, I love this piece by, uh, our false flag weekly news colleague. Well, from a year ago or so. She hasn't been back for a while. Helen Byniski. Um, yeah. and I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, so I guess George W. Bush has a new offer for everybody. If you get vaccinated, W will give you a free full color reproduction of his painting depicting his naked sister in the bathtub. Now there's an offer that we can't refuse. Um, seriously, I mean, Bush was so good at selling the Iraq war and that turned out so well. Maybe he can sell the world experimental gene therapy too. It'll be a cakewalk. Mission accomplished. The virus will shower us with candy and flowers. Um, and if everything goes south like Iraq did, well, fool me once, shame on, uh, we won't get fooled again. And billions of people will start dying from Rumsfeld's unknown unknowns and we'll know who we have to throw a shoe at. So, hey, Lucy, I'd say that Bush is a shoe in for the job of vaccine. Right.
1: And of course, it would be with Bush and Blair as well, re- leading the the fray for, for pushing the, these vaccines, these untested experimental gene therapy vaccines. But there was a great comment beneath this piece. It was now instead of WMD, it'll be VMD, vaccines of mass destruction. (laughs) There's quite a bit of humor on that as well.
0: Yeah. yeah. I I don't know where they come up with this stuff, but from and Bush leading the push um, for vaccines. Uh, If if they really want to alienate me and really convince me to not even think of ever getting anywhere near a needle, they're doing a great job of it. Uh, So let's move on to some fact-checking cases here. Okay, so the neocons all want us to get vax. That's not a real good sign. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's look at what the anti-vax side says. And, of course, we're just trying to analyze these stories. We're not necessarily uh, endorsing any of them. So how about Mike Yeadon? Here at Infowars, we see uh, Mike Yeadon, the former Pfizer VP uh, t- talking back against the Reuters fact check. And frankly, I think that Reuters versus Eden here is, is kind of a draw. I don't really see Eden as effectively debunking Reuters. And I don't see Reuters fully debunking Yeadon either. Uh, what's your take on this, Lizzie?
1: I disagree with you. I think it's great to see some someone pushing back against Reuters. Who yeah. owns Reuters after all? The Rothschild family, the biggest shareholders in it, aren't they? Uh, Mike Yeeden is is... Is not an anti-vaxxer. He was head of respiratory research at Pfizer. He ret- he retired ten years ago, but he made his money in the vaccine industry, and he's pointing out a few glaring emissions. That, that, that for example. Uh, the the fact that the distribution of these COVID vaccines in the tissues of mice shows that they concentrate in the in the ovaries and also this um, this reactivity between spike protein and human synthesis. And those are just two of the small points he makes uh, in this he takes issue with Fauci well with these claims by Reuters that and then by the sort of vax industry that Asymptomatic people uh, are leading the pandemic. When, in fact, even Fauci said early on that that that, that, that those that drive the pandemic tend to be people who are symptomatic. Now, I think it's, it's it's good that he's pushed back because people don't often get the chance to push back against these so-called fact checkers who represent, of course, big business. So, so good piece there.
0: Well, I'm glad he's pushing back. I'm glad he has the right to, and I support Infowars and anybody else who's letting people who are pushed, you know, or attacked in the mainstream to have their say. But in terms of the specifics uh, of the issues here, First, with the asymptomatic transmission issue, I don't think it's clear who's right about this. Sure, yes, at some point, Fauci said, oh, it's not asymptomatic. Well, Fauci has said a million stupid things, and I don't believe anything Fauci says. And the Reuters piece uh, quoted three studies that had already been done back in May on this, uh, seeming to show that about half of transmission is asymptomatic. And I think there's more in since then that seems to show the same thing. The um, you know, vax people now, uh, in some cases with this variant, supposedly have huge viral loads but no symptoms and so the vax people are spreading this without even knowing they have it uh mm. i think i mean this i'm don't you know do your own research folks but that's what it looks like yeah. to me so i, th- I think actually in on that one um reuters is more correct than Yaden, probably but we yeah. don't know for sure uh, i disagree, but, yeah.
1: I disagree. I, i'd say you know for every three studies you you find on on the asymptomatic transmission you might find 30 others that contradict the main problem of course these days is the censorship that's going on and the fact that mike eden has been smeared wholly by the bbc Mm. that he's not quoted or asked for asked for comment by any mainstream media um so you know that they're basically trying to smear him and i think there needs to be full and open debate by all sorts of people and that's just not happening at the moment and that's highly suspicious
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, we will have to urge people to look at what Yaden says, uh, what Reuters says, and then do your own digging and, uh, try to figure out who's right on each of these different issues that they're debating on. Uh, and of course the big f- f- you know, the quote from Yaden that gets the big press is that if he said, if I wanted to get rid of 90 or 95% of the world's population, uh, this is how I do it. In other words, the vaccines, he thinks they might be slipping something nasty into the vaccines and maybe, uh, completely paranoid, and maybe there's only a 1% chance that's the case. But even so, I think that yeah, it's it's uh, something to consider, given the fact that we've been lied to so outrageously about so many things that we know we've been lied to about, nine uh, eleven and COVID origins being two obvious ones. Anyway.
1: Uh, I mean, I mean there's, there's plenty of evidence that they're slipping all sorts of nasties into these vaccines. I mean, from graphene oxide to spike protein, you know, to to stuff that affects your immune system, your reproductive system. I think it's clear that that uh, there is a lot of uh, dangerous stuff being put into the vaccines. And, um, you know, the fact that they're trying to push them through so quickly, uh, trying to bribe people, there's nothing like informed consent going on. The Nuremberg Code is being broken left, right and centre. It is highly likely that whatever is in these things is something that you would not want to be putting into your body, and even less into the bodies of your children.
0: Yeah, for the children, uh, it's I think there are you know, really strong arguments, even using mainstream data, that probably they're better off uh, not being vaccinated. And then, of course, the pro-vax people are pushing herd immunity as their excuse. Uh, and then they're also lying and trying to scare people about, you know, making it look more dangerous for kids than COVID really is. So yeah, sure. All there's, but, but I, I do think there is a legitimate debate out there about for, you know, precisely how much good, if any, the vaccines are doing. Well, and, uh, and what the dangers really are. Uh, but we're not allowed to have that debate anymore. That's why we're not broadcasting on YouTube right now. Yeah. So, uh, here's a story that, uh, says that half of the hospital admissions in the UK uh, or a little over half actually mm-hmm. classed as COVID cases were not COVID hospitalizations were not, they were actually people who were hospitalized for other things. And then they tested positive for COVID. They didn't even know they had. And uh, a more recent update on this story says it was actually like a quarter. That is that 76.7% were primarily COVID cases. That's what they were admitted for. So about a quarter of the cases were not Uh the argument is that, caseloads are being inflated uh, to terrorize people. Uh, would you agree Absolutely. with
1: that, Lucy? Yeah, no, I mean, there's been massive inflation of, of the caseloads and the cases are based on the PCR test, which as we know has had something like over 90% false positive. Uh, so, that, I mean, they've been inflate, inflating not just admissions in hospitals, but they're inflating case numbers amongst school children. We now got something called a ping where the economy is being utterly destroyed because uh, so many people can't go to work because they they've been in touch they've downloaded this app from the NHS and they've been in touch with somebody else who's tested positive. Uh, as we know, I mean the inventor of the PCR test, Kerry Mullis, said it is not a diagnostic. Uh, you've got Rainer Fulmich. The, the whole point of his case is is against this use of the PCR, the Drosten um, PCR. And um, I'd, I'd say that's possibly why the CDC might be abandoning, starting to abandon the PCR test. But I understand that they've had some. Well, no, they're not. They're not
0: abandoning it. Was, you see, this article by Tyler Durden, uh, yeah. uh, I think, is is extremely misleading. Uh, mm-hmm. Because what actually happened was the FDA abandoned its own particular PCR test, which is just one of right. more than 380 tests that are being used, a great yeah. many of which are PCR tests, which are still fully authorized. Okay. And the, the official position of FDA is that PCR tests are, quote, the gold standard. And none of that has changed. So this article is right. completely misleading. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, um Yeah. I mean, the PCR test is, um, it's, it's not fit for purpose. And I understand there might be something like 59, you say about three, 300 different types of PCR or it's all to do with confusing the public. And, um, none of this, all this kind of
0: article doesn't help. It confuses yeah. us even more.
1: Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Have to go back and so, have so it.
0: we, yeah, we have to keep an eye on the fact that the, the the alternative material on this topic can be just as misleading as the mainstream material. The mainstream stuff is all on one set of talking points the alternative stuff is all over the map and in a way we have to be almost more careful with the alternative stuff because you know it's it's it, it the very the variety is so much greater in quality and so and tyler durden does a lot of good work but this particular article i think really mm-hmm. got it wrong you know it jumped on a quote and took it out of context and really is misleading people about what really happened here well i uh, thought
1: people they had said that they wouldn't they were not going to be using the, the pcr test later in the year like around christmas no, right?
0: no, they're just, they're they just dumped their own little in-house PCR test. They're still right. using everybody else's. So this actually is, is, it's a nothing burger. Right. Anyway, the next, the next story, uh, flimsy evidence behind the CDC's push to vaccinate children, uh, from really? the Wall Street Journal. This, this one I think is solid. Uh, mm. indeed, they make a good case in this article that uh, the so-called evidence being used to say that children are in danger from COVID and they'll be better off getting a vaccination uh, is highly dubious to say the least. And that obviously mm-hmm. what's really going on here is they want to push for either herd immunity or uh, making money on vaccines, not necessarily in that order. Uh, so, so this this article is 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 solid, I think.
1: You have to be careful what you when you say herd immunity, because the WHO has changed its def- definition of herd Im- immunity from the traditional definition, which is that when there is immunity, as in um, antibodies throughout the population, to a new one based on sort of vaccine-based herd immunity. So that's a sleight of hand. Um, this this piece is. Is interesting, as you say, it's, it seems like a reliable piece. It's by Marty Makery, who's led a research team at John Hopkins, uh, who has found they have found a mortality rate of zero amongst children that, for COVID, amongst kids who've had no pre-existing medical conditions, such as leukemia and so on. So uh, for once, yeah, in the mainstream, this does seem to be a useful piece, which makes the, it contributes to the case that there is... There's absolutely no reason for children to be vaccinated with um, experimental um, mRNA vaccines.
0: So that's a dog bites man or man, rather a man bites dog situation where the mainstream story here is actually better than that Tyler Durden alternative story. But here let's move to an alternative story that uh, strikes me is very important and disturbing.
1: Uh,
0: This is about PCR testing actually is being used to grab people's DNA to use mm. for all kinds of purposes. Illumina, Grail, the Wellcome Sanger Institute, UK Biobank, Twins UK, Amgen, the Mayo Clinic, Genomics England—these companies that are PCR testing are grabbing DNA. At least according to the article, um, I suspect that's true, and mm. I don't think we should be sharing our DNA with these companies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And apparently, there are two papers from the World. There's one from the World Economic Forum of June 2020 entitled genomic data policy framework and ethics ethical tensions um which is to see where the the genomic sequencing medico military industry is going because this of course is worth apparently it was worth 635 billion in the uk in 2020 um and goodness knows how much now that they've got so much data from people's dna i mean previously it was hard for them to, to collect DNA. They would do it from people who were going on Ancestry.com and these genealogical websites and willingly giving over their DNA. Uh, but now, I mean, it seems to me really clear and obvious that something is going on when they're demanding that school kids get t- tested at least twice a week and that we have to, to do all these, um, these PCR tests just to cross borders here in Europe, uh, which cost a fortune. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, so you've got basically us giving up our freedom in order to underwrite these industries, which are stealing our very data and God knows what they're going to be using it for. I mean, even the NHS in the UK are collecting data and not saying where it's going. So there's no transparency about it whatsoever. And I think it's probably it's a very dark agenda and we deserve to know a lot more about it. It's like social
0: media is making fortune, stealing our information and our data. They're stealing our genetic data, too, now with the PCR test. What's yeah. next? So speaking of ulterior motives, uh, how about masks? According to this article in the mainstream, more or less, Daily Mail, uh, we're all suffering from Stockholm Syndrome, identifying with those pretending to take care of us when they're actually our captors.
1: Uh, yeah, I think
0: this article makes a valid point.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is Graham Brady, who's head of the 1922 committees of Tory backbenchers in the UK. There have been very few people who have opposed, who stood up and actually spoken out about this agenda in the political class. He's one of them. Another one is an MP called Desmond Swain. Um, it's good that he, he's actually, he's bringing something else to to the debate. I mean, clearly, Master, about social control there, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they are. They're Uh, I mean it's you know what's going on at the moment in Europe here we're in 30 degrees heat and people having to wear masks just to move in if you're in a restaurant or an outdoor cafe you have to walk around in a mask and it doesn't make sense at all there's been no account taken of seasonality and heat and and the actual normal lifespan of a virus which seems to me a very big clue that this isn't about regular virus so um, good for Graham Brady for for trying to um, oppose what's going on but it's, even, it's a very small, one little piece amongst a whole sea of, uh, well it seems a, a whole tsunami of ap- apocalyptic information and propaganda and measures and laws that are currently being passed even in the last few days. Absolutely horrifying what's going on in the last few days. I find it extraordinary what's going on in the UK particularly. Yeah, there are really lots of
0: the mainstream tells us to follow the science, but the science says there's virtually no outdoor transmission of COVID, uh, except in extremely crowded circumstances. And yet, uh, this author asked the health minister, "Well, why did you ban you know outdoor activities like golf and tennis?" And the yeah. minister said, "If we let people do those things, they might think they can do other things too." And this is insane. I mean, they're treating us well, like idiots.
1: In the UK, it's all about behavioral psychology, and the people who are making the decisions are behavioral psychologists. They are not epidemiologists. So um, you know this woman Susan Mitchie who's on the Sage Committee, she's a, a well-known communist and she's 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 actually finally been challenged because she said a couple of weeks ago that we'll have to wear masks forever. And apparently the Sky News presenter who was who was interviewing her almost fell off her chair at that stage. Uh, it, it, is, it is time for people to wake up and see that this is another agenda. It's not being science led as you said. And it is, as UK column have done fantastic work on the background to this behavioural psychology and the um, common purpose agenda behind this, which is a very, very anti-democratic agenda. And it's part of the reason why we have so many politicians in, in office who are not there to represent their constituents or the public at large.
0: Indeed. Well, we've reached the end of our set of stories that we're talking about in ways that YouTube could conceivably consider to be dispensing medical misinformation. So from now on, we're not going to be discussing any of these contentious medical issues, you know, whether whether Tyler Durden or Reuters has it right about this or that aspect of the pandemic, blah, blah, blah. From now on, we're going to talk about the pushback uh, against the unfreedom that's coming down on us with this uh, pandemic as the excuse so let's get going with our YouTube version of False Flag Weekly News. I'm uh, surprised, actually, they're still letting us get away with it. But here we are. Uh Shout out to YouTube for letting us have free speech on everything except supposed uh medical misinformation issues. So mm-hmm. vaccine passports for nightclubs have been railroaded through in the U.K. And the government there says they're targeting the young folks and university students um presumably once again they're they they know that those young folks uh, are really not in tremendous danger even if they get covid it's rather oops I, youtube i'm sorry i said that but it's that's the science uh, it's really the young folks grandparents and their if they have any friends who are immunocompromised those are the people actually that they hope to protect through herd immunity i think that is the strategy we're not supposed to even talk about anything like that so, so let's talk about this passports yeah Yeah.
1: What sort of herd immunity are you talking about?
0: Right. Well, we we already we already had our herd immunity discussion. So so Mm -hmm. so let's let's get to the vaccine passports thing in France. They're doing it big time in the UK. They're trying to sneak it in for the nightclubs and uh, maybe university students. Um, So what happened to Freedom Day, Lucy?
1: Yeah, Freedom Day was a complete U-turn in the UK quite uh, predictably because you can't trust anything any of this any, this government junta say um, yes I mean Boris Johnson is saying that documentation will be compulsory for those gathering in indoor venues from September um, and that university students may need to be fully vaxxed to live in halls um, and then using again very divisive nasty language saying people who remain unvaccinated by choice shouldn't be surprised if they are barred uh, because they're putting other people's health at risk. Now, you've got Dominic Raab saying this. You've got Michael Gove saying this. You've got Boris Johnson talking like this. You've got this dreadful man, Grant Shapps, uh, saying this. Um, it's, it's absolutely dreadful language. It's very divisive, and it's clearly uh, there to fuel divisions in society between the vaxxed and the unvaxxed, and to... Um, create a situation whereby I expect the next move will be detention council. We've already got those at the airports. Um, but no, it, it's, it's very, very frightening what's happening. It's very authoritarian. And this in combination with some of the other laws that have been pushed through in the UK, which I can get to a little bit later, um, I find chilling.
0: Well, we're talking a lot about uh, the UK and Europe right now, but let's, let's quickly move over to Washington DC mm. where uh, we have the Children's Health Defense article here. I think we're allowed to mention that name, uh, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. telling us that in DC they're, they are letting 11-year-olds decide whether or not to be vaccinated. That sounds crazy. I mean, normally parents are considered the custodians of their young children. Uh, do you agree with that that's crazy?
1: <laughs> I think it's again not just crazy, Kevin. It's utterly evil. What's going on? I mean, this is so children. Health Defence are launching a um, lawsuit seeking to overturn this grotesque law, which allows 11-year-olds to be vaccinated without their parents' knowledge or consent. Um, of course, such a measure to, to vaccinate a child without, because it, the coercion, of course, will be, it's very easy to coerce an 11-year-old. There's also peer pressure. Um, you might find that kids are actually getting sick or passing out or having symptoms that their parents have actually no idea that they're vaccinated, so they're not going to take them to the hospital or to know what's going on. Um, this is really akin to, to the Nazis and to um, the worst forms of, of medical tyranny ever. Um, yes. So, yes, thank God for the children's health defence and, and let, let, let's hope they manage to overturn this grotesque law.
0: That's true. And in the history of tyrannies does show that, that they often target the children and try to create a split between the parents and their old ways, such as remembering back when there was a little bit of freedom and uh and the children who were being conditioned for the new totalitarian order. Uh speaking of digital tyranny, our next story, this is from Peter Koenig, a frequent guest on my radio show. Mm-hmm. And uh it's uh it's quite an interesting article. He makes a lot of uh kind of all over the map uh statements about um this coming Uh, Great Reset Digital Tyranny Agenda ID 2020 for uh, tracking everybody with a completely uh, verifiable ID uh, digitally. He talks about uh, Moise in Haiti. uh, Getting overthrown and killed at the you know, right, right as he had been standing strong against the vaccines coming into Haiti. And the first thing Biden did was send a huge boatload of vaccines to Haiti after Moise was dead, and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. So Peter Koenig, he's he's pretty hardcore on this. Do you do you agree with him on on all of these points?
1: Yeah, I do. I think he lives. He might live in Switzerland. He's obviously ex-U.N. Yeah. He understands what's going on. He relates this back to, for example, the Lockstep document, the, the Rockefeller um, Lockstep document of 2010 which we're now seeing being played out um, and he relates it back to the gates the Rockefellers, the rothschild west agenda and uh, he talks he shows somehow he talks about symbolism for example when they opened the sangotard tunnel uh, and the occult nature of the um, procession which was which was held in front of various leaders of, of, of the eu and so on Uh, which is a little bit like the 2012 Olympics in London when they had the opening ceremony um, featuring essentially images that looked very much like COVID. Uh, So, yeah, no, I I think he's a good writer and it's a good piece. It's just a good overview, that one.
0: Indeed. And so this global tyranny is hitting different places at different levels, just like the virus is. Uh, How about Australia, where they've had a really severe lockdown going on for a year and a half now? And in Adelaide, they're going to use CCTV and uh, and bank data. Uh, they're going to follow your people's credit cards and surveil them to enforce contact tracing and quarantine. And apparently, the cops are using the data in some cases for unrelated things. Now, Lucy, I don't know about you, but I don't like being tracked and traced everywhere I go. That's one reason I don't carry a portable tracking device that can make phone calls, which some people yeah. call a cell phone. I don't have one. Uh, Nathan, or rather Daniel Hale's work as a drone uh, assassin, which he's right. now being, he's being sentenced to 45 months in prison, not for murdering people, right. but for having remorse about it and blowing the whistle. You know, yeah. he pointed out that all these people are being killed because they're carrying their cell phones. Uh, and, and so the more there are these, You know, organized crime could hack into this and figure out where you are, make it a lot easier to kill you. I don't think having uh, a tracking app follow you everywhere you go is a good idea. So I urge everybody to ditch their cell phones, but we should also ditch these governments that Mm -hmm. are tracking and tracing us.
1: Well, as he points out, your purchases, if you're using any kind of a card, are going to be tracked. And then CCTV, surveillance cameras in the street and so on. So this really, what he's describing, is the next stage of the Great Reset tyranny, and the sort of technocratic fascist world order that Patrick Wood describes in his book. And I'm not surprised. I mean, I was thinking even last year they're they're bound to be they're going to be enforcing the lockdowns and the quarantines by looking at where you go, what you're spending with your card, and um, they could be tracking your number plates or or um, your you know face recognition. They're going to be using that. So, yeah, we need to push back against it because it's coming very, very quickly and it's very scary.
0: The next slide uh, story tells us this is uh, from Conservative Women magazine uh, that we're sleepwalking into a pernicious system of total government control. Uh, and I would agree with that, except it's not just government, but it's actually the oligarchs and their uh, so-called private corporations that are monopolies shouldn't be allowed to exist that are uh, tracking trades. I don't think it's just governments, but other than that, I think this is absolutely right on.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I like the way that they they compare this to the fall of Petrograd while the middle class was slumbering, uh, thinking that the revolution wouldn't come for them. The
0: 1917 Bolshevik um, revolution.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. So what they're saying is last week's decision on mandatory vaccination in the UK should have been the wake-up call as it's a violation of one's bodily autonomy, and that really crosses a Rubicon when it comes to, you know, what 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 do you describe as, as a, a liberal, free society? Once you start imposing uh, on people's um, bodily autonomy, uh, there, there is no right, there's not going to be any return to freedom, they're saying, and it's not going to stop with that because it's going to be moving to the social credit system of the Chinese style and then the cryptocurrencies. And he reminds us at the end of the article that the Chinese now have a single app from which they can control everything about your life. And that's what we're moving towards, unless people wake up more quickly. But I fear that in the UK, my, from my three years living in the UK recently, uh, uh, they're not going to wake up. They are too brainwashed. The upper middle classes and the so-called educated Oxbridge elites are too sold out. And they are too, um, they're too interested in having a good time. Kevin, they're not interested in, in informing themselves and really pushing back against what's going on. There isn't really a sort of proper liberal um, intellectual class anymore. The, the journalists are all bought and paid for. The politicians are bought and paid for. The sort of Oxbridge, um, you know, professional types are bought and paid for. And I, the only people who are pushing back are the working classes, that the people around Tommy Robinson, some working class men, you see them out on the protests and so on. And uh, there is just not enough people at the higher echelons to push back. So I, I think the U.K. is game over. And I'm very pleased I'm not living there anymore.
0: Well, I think the whole West is uh, decadent and uh, and collapsing. And as it collapses, the West, uh, Western banksters who own it may be going to war to try to maintain their uh, planetary control and Russia, China, and Iran are really the, the top three somewhat independent countries that they don't like. And war is going to end freedom completely. You know, it's been said war is the health of the state. Well, we know that the health is now the excuse of the state to wage war on the people. But when we get into a wartime, then all liberties go you know down the drain. And we're told in, in this piece by Senator Angus King, that there's no question that A future shooting war will start with a cyber attack. Well, a cyber attack is easy to fake, as we saw with the so-called Russian hacking uh, of Hillary Clinton's phone and on and on and on. So a cyber false flag could very well start World War III. We may already be in biological World War III. COVID may very well have been a misguided, mm. uh, blowback-ridden uh, neocon attack on China and Iran. I, I t- think that's the case. So I, I think that's something we need to keep in mind is that the geopolitical angle of this is key and that the reason we're being locked down and put into lockstep is to march off to war for the oligarchs that misrule mm. the West.
1: I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I think, I mean, of course, what's being described in this piece is also mentioned in the Peter Koenig piece about it is part, it's one of the phases of the lockstep, uh, which has been which has been set out by by the Rockefellers. That this idea of what do they call it, hack step or something. And that it, you know, I've seen people from ex-GCHQ Robert Hannigan, who was behind the Russiagate hoax, um, trying to push the whole cyber attack thing. Back in 2019, to students at Oxford, um, basically most of these sort of cyber attacks, ho- cyber attacks are homegrown, but they're always trying to pin it on Russia. So exactly. I, think, you know, yeah. it's basically, it, it's probably yeah, it's homegrown. It's FBI, it's Mi6, and 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 same guys, you know, Robert Hannigan and his crew, uh, who also at the time when I was at that lecture was proposing to um, have GCHQ. Uh, um, decide what is acceptable and what is not not acceptable to, to to arbitrate essentially about people write what people write online so um but, but, yeah. but lucy if, if they want
0: to go to war right if they want to do world war three sooner rather than later before uh the chinese economy plus russian yeah. weapons makes it impossible yeah. uh, why not just do a big cyber attack like totally crush everything you know something you know terrible everything gets shut I mean, down blame russia and china and then
1: go to war but I think it, I mean, it could be war, but it could also be the great reset. It could be the, the monetary reset. That's why they are taking all our freedoms so quickly. There, there's a lot that they're trying to do because the economy, and we're going to come to that later, but they've come to the end of the road with the current monetary system. And yes, that could be mean war, but it could also be about the great reset.
0: All right. Much. We need to protest both. We need to be doing anti-war protests that are also anti-grave reset protests. And the worldwide demonstration that happened last Saturday, July 24th, even as we were broadcasting on last week's show, uh, mm-hmm. was quite a success. Dublin, Paris, Rome, Athens, other cities across Europe, as this epoch time story tells us in the next slide, the Washington Examiner covered the protests in London where David Icke, uh, Katie Hopkins and Pierce Corbin starred. Uh, so did, Were you in London last week for this?
1: No, no, I wasn't, no. Um, But yes, I mean, in the UK, they're pushing through several very, very repressive bills at the moment in these weeks as we speak. Mm -hmm. Um, They've got the Police Crime and Sentencing Act, which is going to criminalise protest. They've got the Online Harms so-called Safety Bill, which is going to censor what they call disinformation um, and who's going to, again, who's going to arbitrate uh, it, it's it, and, and those who are going to be exempt, of course, from this censorship are going to be the mainstream media. It's going to be the BBC, uh, the Times, the Telegraph, the, the so-called acceptable organs of um, media, which are owned, as we're going to come to later, by some of these big oligarchs. And then the, now the most recent is proposed changes to the Official Secrets Act, which are going to criminalise um journalists and their sources, and so they're going to turn all journalists. We'll come to that one soon too, Lucy. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, we're, right. we're, we're right. a
0: little behind on the slide, list, so yeah. let's let's go a little bit. Okay. these protests. So this yeah. London yeah, again by- in
1: London, Kevin. What's going on is the UK government spent 37 billion pounds on a track and trace system, and 1.7 billion pounds on propaganda around COVID, mm. which is then herding people.
0: That's worth so- protesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, $37 they could have spent a lot more on treating so-called COVID. Mm -hmm. But what they're doing is putting place a track and trace system. So what's really going on?
0: Well, I'm glad to see all those people in London protesting that. And here in France, an even bigger protest, uh, Mm -hmm. 160,000 people across France protesting Mm -hmm. the new vaccine pass mandate. Uh, People will need their vaccine passport to get into planes, trains, restaurants and other public venues and so, one hundred and sixty thousand protesting that—that that was covered in the New York Times. In our next slide as well,
1: I think there were way more. There were hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. Hundreds
0: protested. of thousands. <laughs> right. This is the mainstream media that's estimate ridiculous. of one hundred and sixty thousand.
1: Right. right. Well, that—that's that, ridiculous. It was millions, and there were people all over France protesting. And again, this is a vaccine mandate. It's not just about these passes. It's mandating vaccines on healthcare workers, which is again, you know, this is happening in all countries around the world at the same time. Cut and paste, as someone said to me the other day. So and they, this was announced on um, Bastille Day. Utterly ridiculous. So provocative.
0: Well, the mainstream coverage of this has varied. It's, it's of course, not been very friendly. And as you say, they've suppressed mm. the numbers of the protesters and so on. But nowhere did we see the pushback against these protests the way we've seen it in Australia. The Australian mm-hmm. leaders are calling the protesters filthy, disgusting and selfish. Right, um, Filthy. Hmm. Uh, personal hygiene really shouldn't be much of an issue here. Uh, and now the Aussie authorities are setting at least 22 veteran detectives in New South Wales to track uh-huh. and identify the people who attended the rallies and presumably arrest them. So right. I guess you're not allowed to protest anymore in Australia.
1: Well, it's the domestic terrorism narrative being played out there as well as in the, U- the U.S. And it's all the Germans
0: fault. Look, it's, it's well, a German then- conspiracy.
1: No, it's what like what's going on with you under Biden. All these people that you've got under arrest in prison in D.C. that no one can even visit because they were there on January the sixth. It's a uh, it, it's a lawless putsch, a global lawless putsch. Uh, I mean, C.J. Hopkins has a has has an article where he's talking about this protest that was supposed to take place in Berlin tomorrow, uh, which is August first. Actually, is that today um, has been banned. Um, which is, you know, again, completely against people's human rights and constitutional rights in, in Germany. So just banning people, they're, they're they're tracking and tracing you, they're detaining people. They're now in Sind, which yesterday imposed um, a statewide pro- um, lockdown. They're taking away people's SIM cards, they're blocking SIM cards and taking down people's um, social media if they're unvaxxed. And the Philippines, similar situation going on. So this is this is a no no holes barred global push on people's freedom. It's um, really horrifying. Going on. And,
0: and here, the Guardian is basically going after the organizers, trying to quote unquote expose the uh, the nasty German group that's behind all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they they out one of the Australian organizers as an evil anti semite. This is a guy named McLean. Uh, and, and their evidence that he's anti-Semitic is that, quote, he made anti-Semitic claims about Jewish overrepresentation representation in the higher echelons of media and business. Uh, okay, that sounds like a terribly anti-Semitic thing to say, even though it's probably totally true. Anyway, moving on to COVID origins. Uh, this, and I think this is such a critically important issue, because, again, I think mm. this is national security state stuff uh, that we're not allowed to talk about, but we should be, because if we don't, warfare is going to kill us all eventually. Mm. Uh, Finian Cunningham wrote this piece uh, arguing that, yes, we do need an investigation into Fort Dietrich. Uh, I agree completely, but, again, I think we should be looking at, at all of that evidence that it went from Fort Dietrich uh, covertly to Wuhan and Combe. Uh, how about you, Lucy?
1: To Wuhan and come.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I, I mean I, th- I think Ron Unz has made the best case. Again, everybody says, why do you keep talking about Ron Unz's articles? Well, I was mm-hmm. talking about this from from January of 2020 onward. I was saying this is U.S. biowarfare, and right. the, the Iranians said the same thing at the end of February and in March. They officially accused the United States of using COVID as a bioweapon, attacking Calm and then attacking, or rather attacking uh, Wuhan and then attacking Calm. And people say, well, well, Kevin, why do you talk about UNS, UNS, UNS all the time? Well, because I was saying this stuff for two or three months. Then Ron UNS wrote a terrific article and has continued with a series of excellent articles laying out that case far better than I ever did in any one place. So that's where I refer people to go to look at the evidence that this is Western oligarchical biowarfare on the countries that are not yet under their complete control.
1: Potentially. Back in their face. The, I mean, the other side of the story is the David Martin dossier and um, his interview with Rainer filmich and with Stu Peters, are uh, I think, essential watching. And uh, because where he lays out the patenting of SARS-CoV-2, uh, which was patented back in 2002, and he's, he's spent 20 years apparently putting this dossier together and researching it. Um, and also Karen Kingston's interview with Stu Peters, and she's a former v- Pfizer employee, who's talking about the, the graphene oxide. I mean, all that is important. All of this is important for people to be familiar with. And people, and as we were saying earlier, do need to, to do their own research. But there's a lot of information out there. And so much of this ties back to the same perpetrators of 9-11. And uh, yes. apparently Bobby Kennedy Jr. has done an interesting interview online uh, this week where he makes the links between these these different events.
0: Right. Yeah. And he's, of course, also been very uh, vocal about saying he knows that his uh, father and uncle were murdered by these criminals. Uh, Speaking of criminals, how about Ron Rand Paul? Going after Fauci and saying we need a criminal investigation of Fauci funding gain of function research in Wuhan, which I believe was to set Wuhan up for the U.S. bio attack, and then they could, mm. you know, use that as anti-China propaganda and say, "Oh, it leaked from this Wuhan lab that we actually paid for and had set up for that yeah. purpose."
1: Yeah. And there's this guy called was it Peter Dazak, who's a British guy who's pretending to be American, who's yeah. been, been bad, bad very
0: bad guy, very bad guy.
1: He sounds like he's definitely intelligence linked. Yeah, he's, he's a
0: bio-war criminal. Cuba says, I believe he's the guy that yeah. Cuba says murdered hundreds of Cuban children in a U.S. Well, bio on Cuba.
1: Well, he sounds like a key individual that has to be gone after. But obviously Fauci, it's its just an understatement to say that there needs to be a criminal investigation of him. But why it hasn't happened in the last year, I think, is just indicative of of where, where we are with politics, um, not just in your country, but globally.
0: Right. Well, these corrupt forces come in many flavors and and one of them of course is the uh the Zionists. Uh, yeah. And this next story from Winter Watch does a good job of uh actually they credit the Forward. I, I actually have a I'm on the Forward, which is the Jewish biggest Jewish paper in America. I'm on their email list because yeah. it's both hilarious because they do all sorts of insanely ethnocentric uh nonsense that <laughs> it's quite amusing, but they also do some good journalism. And so here Winter Watch credits the Forward for their uh, article shadowy israeli app turns american jews into foot soldiers in online war it's called act ill what a name for a <laughs> an app act ill and what yeah. it is is it, it organizes the hasbro the volunteers uh, right. or you could call them saying these people who volunteer for israel and so they they do online you know, propaganda cyber war for israel and this app gives them prizes they can, you know, if they, if they do enough, uh, strikes against targets, they get congratulatory letters from the Israeli Ministry of Strategic Affairs, or even they get a Ben-Gurion doll, a little doll of Israel's founding father, David Ben-Gurion, who happens mm. to be a leading suspect in the JFK assassination, but we won't go there right now. Anyway, I mean, mm. you can't make this stuff up and kudos to Winter Watch and the Jewish Daily Forward for exposing this.
1: Absolutely. No, it's, it's an unsurprising story, but, um, yes. Yeah, I guess it needs to be seen in conjunction with the lobby that Al Jazeera did, but this just, like, takes it to a whole, whole new level, doesn't it?
0: So, so, so people who are, who are leaving, uh, the, uh, the trolls leaving Hasbro comments on the stuff I post are actually yeah. getting little Ben-Gurion dolls as rewards. <laughs> I hope they're enjoying their little Ben-Gurion dolls. I don't even want to think about Ooh. what they're doing with those, but moving Ooh. on to the ADL, one of our favorite subjects. Uh The ADL is now partnering with PayPal to research the extremists and to cut off their money supply. Oh man. uh <laughs> You won't be able to buy and sell without a math, a mark of the beast issued by the anti-defamation league. Mm. Oh boy. Uh You think they're cool. going to get a, how are we going to survive if, if we can't buy and sell? I guess we can't, we can't criticize them anymore. <laughs> I
1: know. It's, it's shocking but not surprising, isn't it? I mean, it's, this, you know, it's the same club, basically. Indeed.
0: Mm. Well, uh, moving on to one of the more interesting and underreported stories, which is why I had to write it up. Barbara mm. Boxer got mugged by some really strange muggers. They didn't want any money. They didn't want her purse. All they wanted was her cell phone, and there was a waiting car. Uh, almost like an intelligence operation. Why would somebody mm-hmm. steal Barbara Boxer's cell phone? Well, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 yeah. and Barbara Boxer is maybe the highest level American politician who has spoken out about 9-11. And she mm-hmm. spoke out about 9-11 to me on Wisconsin really? public radio uh, quite a few, 15 years ago or so, uh, basically admitted that she knows that the official version is a lie and that her mm-hmm. friend, Paul Wellstone, the, great senator, uh Jewish man, by the way, like Barbara Boxer, mm-hmm. was murdered by the 9-11 perfs. Uh, she said that, too. And and so she's you know she talks mm-hmm. out of school. And so maybe it's in the run-up to the 9-11 anniversary, somebody thought that maybe she was talking to other high-level people and maybe organizing some pushback against the propaganda that they're about to, to blast at us. I don't know. I, I think that's reasonable speculation. What about you, Lucy?
1: Yeah, you know, she's a good woman. I remember that she Organized some. She she did a bill for a friend of mine, Marla Rootzika, who was killed in in Iraq. Who was trying to get compensation for the families of Afghans um, who were killed by by the bombs in Afghanistan early on in, in the war there. She she sponsored a bill. She co-sponsored a bill with um, Senator Leahy uh, to 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 bring in some sort of support for recognizing the families. Uh, so she's obviously a good woman. I didn't know all about the Paul Wellstone uh, stuff, but that's. It's
0: highly suspicious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, she she said, uh, tell like, uh, one of her top aides is a friend of uh, Don Jacobs, otherwise known as Four Arrows, who co-authored the book American Assassination, The Strange Death of Paul Wellstone. Oh, right. Her boxer turned to her aide and said, you tell your friend Four Arrows that he doesn't know how right he is. Wellstone's murder was a message to us all. But if you ever say this, I'll deny having, you know, you spread this news, I'll deny having said it. So she's she's a good person, but she's not quite courageous enough to go fully public. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, you know, she saw what happened to Wellstone and his wife and daughter. Uh, okay. So, you know, that's how uh, that's the world these people live in, I guess. Anyway, uh, yes. if you talk about this, of course, you're probably not pleasing, uh, powerful people. And over in the U.K., if the mm. displeased, powerful people see you writing or talking about them in ways they don't like, even if, if you're a journalist uh, putting out information in the public interest, you'll still go to jail. The Official Secrets Act has been used to jail lots of uh, people mm. in the U.K. over the years. But you could defend yourself if you said, well, I leaked this because it's in the public interest. No more. Uh, no matter how much it's in the public interest, you're still going to jail. So mm. U.K. is getting more and more draconian, isn't it?
1: It's absolutely astonishing what's going on in the UK right at the moment. I mean, it's so this law, this reform of the Official Secrets Act will remove the protection that whistleblowers formerly enjoyed because what they were doing was deemed to be in the public interest or information that they were putting out was deemed to be in the public interest. And from now on, um, such journalists and their sources and spies will be treated as spies so effectively, what they're trying to do is, is to, to extend the Julian Assange treatment, which is which is appalling, the way that he's being made an example of. But they're extending that to regular journalists. And um, in fact, the, 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 the next story that we're coming to, which is the book uh, by Simon Ackham, that uh, was essentially cancelled by um, Penguin Random House. Um, he, this is a young man who's who's interviewed quite a lot of people who were involved with the British um, intervention in Helmand, the British um, debacle in Afghanistan. Uh, I would imagine that he himself uh, would, would come into the frame of, um, you know, essentially being criminalized for, for treating, for, 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 for bringing out this type of information. It's the kind of thing did you did,
0: Lucy. You, you, you wrote that great book on Afghanistan, but, uh, The Afghan you. Solution. And, yep. and, uh, you, you know, you're a whistleblower too. I mean, you were, you were actually working pretty high up with the EU yeah. in, in Afghanistan and you wrote that book and, and right. the way things are going, it looks like the kind of stuff you did could soon be totally criminalized. You're kind of lucky absolutely. that you're not uh, dragged yeah. off to, to, uh, the tower of London.
1: No, I mean, it's absolutely Kevin. It, it's extraordinary. Um, so, I mean, in, in this man's case, uh, his book was essentially cancelled because of a program at Oxford university called the changing character of war program which is essentially uh, the mod masquerading mm. as um, academia uh, and funded and interfering and and so on um and he's been treated appallingly but yes i mean this 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 law this change to the official secrets act is is, is very very chilling and, and when it's coming alongside all these other five or six laws that are being rushed in at the moment. I mean, whether it's the online harms bill, the, the police crime and sentencing act, the mandatory vaccinations, the vaccine passports, it's its making um, what happened under the Bolsheviks almost look uh, relatively benign. It's, it's, it's extraordinary what's going on and people just aren't waking up to it.
0: Well, moving from censoring of books to censoring of the Internet, uh everywhere we turn we're seeing these calls to censor the internet against quote misinformation super spreaders uh and this is a so called alternative paper in Milwaukee that published this piece about the uh pandemic of the unvaccinated and you know whipping up hate against unvaccinated people and blaming uh the free internet and saying basically the internet can't be free anymore. If this is an alternative paper saying this, Well maybe mm-hmm. a pseudo alternative paper, I mean we're seeing the same stuff in the, in the mainstream as well. It's becoming uh, kind of a, a one one big song that the whole choir is singing. And where is this going to go? I mean they they're ramping up the hatred against the unvaxxed like more and more each week. Uh, where does it end?
1: I mean, don't forget that the consolidation of the media happened at the end of the '90s, and that that also included a lot of the local newspapers in the United States. Uh, and I, I believe that there was only about one local newspaper against the war in Iraq in in the U.S. because they'd all been bought up by Rupert Murdoch at that stage. Um, I mean, as as for the headline in this, the pandemic of the unvaccinated, I do believe that you know for every story that. On this that you can find where people are trying to say that the pandemic is amongst unvaccinated you'll find 10 more that are saying actually it's the vaccinated who are shedding some combination there um, Um, and and having sort of spread outs of of covid or the variants which is what jean-luc montaigne is saying in in france the professor who won nobel prize and there's also a lot of israeli yeah yeah, there's also a lot of israeli data about um, numbers of covid are far greater in the vaccinated in Israel, so far, so this again. This seems to be a kind of um, uh, a misleading story, I would say.
0: Well, it's like, but it's it's part of what looks like sort of an orchestrated effort to yeah. uh, demonize the unvaccinated as a, a an excuse for censoring the f- once free and not so free anymore internet. Yeah. And who's behind this censorship? And who's behind maybe even the whole pandemic and great reset? Well, uh, maybe it's the same shady people that own Big Pharma and the big media. Dr. Joseph Mercola, who's now public enemy number one, he was identified Mm -hmm. as the biggest uh, super spreader of so-called misinformation. Uh, I can see why they're censoring him, because this article really lays it out. Uh, Mm -hmm. The whole mainstream media and Big Pharma both are owned basically by two huge asset management firms, BlackRock, run by Mm -hmm. Larry Fink and Vanguard, which is also interlocked with BlackRock itself. It's basically one corporation, and now it's like one guy. They handed Larry Fink the keys to the the Fed and the Treasury here. So uh, power here has been concentrated into incredibly few hands, and everything we're hearing from the medical establishment and the media is being uh, dictated from the top by, you know, like one guy, Larry Fink. Well, probably not mm-hmm. quite. just uh, <laughs> just one guy, but not very many people are are getting more and more power. So uh so Lucy what uh, uh were you surprised uh, to learn that the British royals the Bush family DuPonts Morgans Vanderbilts and Rockefellers along with the Rothschilds and the Italian Orsini family are uh interlocked with these folks who own the media and uh as well as the big pharma industries
1: I'm here again I can see you again now sorry there was i, yeah, sorry. I think
0: sorry we, we froze so so yeah to uh, talk about your reaction to this uh, article by Dr. Mercola exposing mm. uh, the uh, tiny group at the top of the financial pyramid that owns the media and big pharma
1: Yeah I mean it, it's it's a very good story because it points out who who these people are so he, as as you just mentioned BlackRock and Vanguard BlackRock of course being Larry Fink uh, who is also chairman of the board of the World Economic Forum, and um, Vanguard, which represents apparently a lot of the interests of major black nobility families and, and royal families and, and so on. Um, so, yeah, it's it's like this consolidation between big pharma, big tech and big media. Uh, and, and, of course, that's a, that's a huge power base to um, close us all down. And no wonder the British are trying to put through this online Harms bill, where they're going to censor everybody but big media. So then there will just be one version of events, and that version of events will be the version that people like Larry think of BlackRock want to put out there.
0: And, and interestingly, okay, one basically. of the one one of the things they harp on constantly is well. The Holocaust religion, shall we call it, which is part of the group of stories that we're labeling sup- Semitic supremacy stories this week. Yeah. UK Labor is expelling hundreds of "quote unquote" anti-Semitism deniers. Uh, so if you're if you're labor against the witch hunt, you must be a witch, right? Anybody who denies the reality of witchcraft and their own witchiness is a witch denier, which makes them a witch. So light the bonfires. Uh, and there's hilariously uh, this announcement that they're going to witch hunt and expel all these witches. It begins with Labour is a broad, welcoming, and democratic party. Hmm, <laughs> not sure about that.
1: Well, I mean, Labour has been completely manipulated. And of course, the, the head of the Labour Party, now Sir Keir Starmer, is, I think, a member of the Trilateral Commission and seemingly has no support whatsoever, unlike Jeremy Corbyn, who was hounded out with all these sort of ridiculous claims of anti Semitism. And you couldn't think of anyone who's more tolerant and open. Uh, than Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, but this was all whipped up in order to uh, remove the op- any sort of opposition to the agenda, which has obviously just come into force. Uh, I find it also quite suspicious that they brought in Johnson, Boris Johnson on the back of the, um, the Brexit, which now just pales into insignificance compared to what we're having to deal with with the Great Reset. Uh they got brexit done, but so what i mean it's utterly irrelevant compared with what's coming our way and um yeah, seemingly it's been done by uh the the um the a d l and the Jewish League of deputies and and uh the Zionists who have completely out of control over the british political system now and I think the next story about this holocaust memorial, which has been a tussle for for several years. Uh, that they want to build next to the Houses of Parliament illustrates that perfectly. It, it is basically, I mean, in a way, it's representative of the hold that this Zionist cult has over our British political class, and um, it's a bit, in a way, it's it's nothing to do with the British, the the. Holocaust. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you um, Brits,
0: I, I hate to say this, Lucy, yeah. but you Brits are the world's worst Holocaust perps. You did the ni- 1840s Irish Holocaust. You did the 1940s yeah. Bengali Holocaust. Why yeah. are you memorializing this this uh, less well-documented Holocaust supposedly perpetrated by your enemies? Why don't you memorialize your own darn Holocaust?
1: Well, why don't we talk about the, the Holocaust in the Ukraine, Holodomor, or the Holocaust of the 60 million Christians in Russia? Right. That all gets conveniently The, the slave
0: trade yeah. and Native Americans in the United States. for that matter but uh, all we get are nazi holocaust museums
1: many different holocausts we're not holocaust deniers but why this particular holocaust and particularly when you consider that they're going to be spending 75 million pounds worth of taxpayers money to fund this it's going to be on a very uh on a public park which is next to the houses of parliament which is very small the Victoria Gardens it's been utterly opposed by the people of Westminster for years and this piece here in the Telegraph has been written by the, the Israeli uh, I expect he's a dual citizen Robert Jenrick who has been one of the sort of leaders of, of this whole kind of Covid situation in the UK although he chose to break lockdown rules himself he's married to an Israeli I, I note um, yeah what's happening to the UK it's, uh, it's, it's it seems to have disappeared
0: well, maybe the global capital for the new global tyranny will be in occupied Jerusalem, and specifically the rebuilt temple after they blow up the al Aqsa, the Islamic world's greatest and oldest historical and architectural monument, and put up their blood sacrifice temple. Well, hopefully that's uh, not going to happen. But you never know. Things are getting so crazy. And another crazy story right. about this Holocaust religion and anti-Semitism witch hunt is Deborah Lipstadt is now right. Joe Biden's pick for anti-Semitism envoy. That's like picking George W. Bush's vaccine envoy. Deborah Lipstadt, you know, I'm, I'm still personally angry at her. And the reason I'm angry with her is right. I, I bought her book, her, her book, uh, uh, on uh, denying, right. it's called uh, Denying the Holocaust. And yeah. I wanted to see the arguments against the Holocaust revisionists. And that book is hideous. It's stupid. It's just it's 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 pure emotion. There's not a shred of real scholarship in that book. Mm-hmm. And then if you sit down and read David Irving's book, Hitler's War, uh, this guy is obviously a real historian. And she isn't. I mean, she has no business teaching kindergarten. Uh, her scholarship would disqualify her from self-respecting elementary school teaching. Well, maybe that's unfair to say that, because what scholarship? And yet, uh, as mm-hmm. this article says, she's the go to for all discussions of Holocaust denial and anti-Semitism for the media. If that's the best they can do, you know, I mean, the, the Holocaust deniers have won.
1: Well, it was, of course, a disgusting witch hunt against one of our greatest historians, David Irving, who, of course, learned German and did did a huge amount of research. They utterly destroyed his life. He suffered hugely. They ransacked his house. They forced him to sell his home. They went through all his papers. And I understand that a lot of this case was paid for by, um, gosh, who's that Hollywood producer? I mean, they spent 30 million funding the case against him for her, which was all drummed up. And they found mm. one little typo, I think, in in one of his books. And it was a disgusting takedown of a very great historian and, and a man of integrity. Um, and it's horrible that she's, you know, once again rearing her u- ugly head.
0: Yep. Well, a lot of people uh, these days are, are rearing their ugly heads at us. And what can we do but uh, snipe at them here from our, our seated false flight weekly news? Uh, speaking of, uh, of, of ugliness coming our way, how about the econ apocalypse? Uh, first epo- econ apocalypse story is the global shipping crisis is out of control. 40-foot containers, which used to be between $800 and 2500 are now almost $10,000. Mm-hmm. And uh, seafaring manpower is running thin. It looks like uh, we're going to see a lot of inflation and declining living standards coming our way.
1: Yes, apparently. I mean, all of this move towards making China the hub of global manufacturing is making the whole system... Much more fragile, and of course, we saw that with the with the Suez Canal, and so on. Um, but yeah, it could it could make a big supply chain crisis coming into the winter.
0: Okay. Good piece here by William Engdahl. Uh, next story: mm-hmm. Ten million people are behind on their rent. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Half a million eviction cases are about to start moving forward as the uh, uh, as the pause on evictions ends. So mm-hmm. we could be seeing uh, a kind of a zombie movie here pretty soon. I mean, t- you know, 10 million people behind on their rent. Uh, I wish I could invite them all to come crash on my couch, but I don't have 10 million couches. So this is going to be a real problem.
1: I mean, this again, this seems to it all seems to be coming together as a kind of black swan situation where these events have these crises have been deliberately manufactured. And of course, the destruction of all these small businesses hasn't helped. Uh, the lockdowns which have have forced and now for example, these pandemics in the u k which are making it untenable for people to run their own businesses, so they're spending all their savings. The next thing is they're going to be on the streets, and that so therefore that plays into the whole agenda of the great reset, which is of course they want universal basic income to be rolled out uh so that they can so that they then have people on this digital system whereby they're utterly under control of of this central authority. Um so no it's, it's it's very very worrying the way that we're heading
0: now. And that's going to make it hard to contribute to False Flag Weekly News when the uh, mark of the beast uh, tells you that you mm-hmm. can't. So uh mm-hmm. next story Martin Armstrong uh published a good short piece here uh on the real great reset being an economic uh reset. They're designing mm-hmm. they're redesigning the monetary system and they're going to basically stop uh borrowing and just start printing. Uh, Catherine Austin Fitz has done great work on this. I'm going to be interviewing her soon on my radio show. But but this was all planned. Uh, You know, back in January 2019, they they brought out the Build Back Better slogan, and they'd been planning this at, like, the Jackson Hole meeting the previous summer. So even before COVID, Mm -hmm. they knew COVID was coming, and they were planning to redo the world based on it.
1: I think COVID is the vehicle through which they're able to implement all these changes to bring about – the great reset, which as Martin Armstrong says is basically a move to redesign the world monetary system because the system that we have, I mean, they've basically been borrowing and borrowing, but now he says they're just going to print and print. So where does that take us? You know, hyperinflation on the, on the Weimar Republic sort of standard. So we might be needing wheelbarrows soon just to buy a loaf of bread. So, so what do we do, Kevin? That's, that's, the, that's the question. And And I think what we're going to need to move towards is much more. System of localized currencies like the Bradbury pound, which was a, which was something that was proposed at the end of the last century in the UK, which is which is not this kind of interest-based central bank currency. People should go and research it, the Bradbury pound, um, so that we can provide our own community infrastructure and, and services um, and, and opt out of the system that they're trying to opt us into, because that's going to be. A digital jail, basically, Um, and a very, very nasty future for all of us.
0: Indeed. And uh, speaking of nasty futures for all of us, uh, I kind of tried to think of where is all this going and wrote a satire about it, a modest proposal for uh, uh, experimental capital punishment therapy for vax resistors. And, And experimental capital punishment therapy consists of skipping the customary procedural safeguards, and just summarily executing the victim with the means at hand. They're going to get an emergency youth's authorization for lynchings and gas chambers and to solve as a final solution for the anti-vaxxer problem. You know, I I think I'm exaggerating a little bit, but the way the news stories have been going the last few weeks, I, I don't know how much. Anyway, we've hit the final slide. So, hey, thank you, Lucy Morgan Edwards. It's great to be with you. And, uh, of course, we'll all be back next week with False Flag Weekly News if we haven't been uh, subjected to experimental capital punishment therapy. Mm. But uh, I do hope to have you back uh, before that happens. So thanks, Lucy.
1: Thanks, Kevin. That was a brilliant satire as well. Thank
0: you. Okay, appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks to all our
1: viewers and supporters. Uh, See you next time, God willing.